welcome to the Bloom Your Mind podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. Well, hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome to episode number 54 of the Bloom Your Mind podcast. You know what's happening in my house right now? It is the 10th of December. You may be listening to this podcast at a dramatically different time in the year. But at the time when I am recording this, it is the 10th of December. And because of many life events, including sicknesses and emergencies and all kinds of things that have happened in the last couple of months, we did not decorate for the holidays until this weekend. This always cracks me up when this happens because we have 15 days left, number one. And number two, (laughs) we are going to be gone next weekend out in the desert for the entire weekend at a retreat center that we love to be at with a community that we love learning and dancing and celebrating and eating and hiking. And then then few days later, we are going to be gone celebrating the holidays at my parents' house. So we won't even be here that much. But y'all, we are decorating every inch of our house, regardless of that fact. Just because we are two weeks behind, we are not giving up. So my husband is literally out there right now on a Sunday evening, right before the next morning of school, starting and he is hanging our last Christmas lights. And because we celebrate Christmas here, um, whatever you celebrate, we love it here. And with my family, we do celebrate Christmas and we are putting lights up everywhere. And we are putting them, I spent yesterday putting them all over our trees and decorating the house. And it is hilarious to me that we will not give it up, but there you have it. Any excuse to celebrate and we are going to go for it. So today we are talking about this idea of how to deeply know a person. The reason we're spending time on that on the podcast is for two reasons. Number one, whenever you want to turn an idea into a real thing, eventually the vast majority, I would say maybe 98%, and I'm making that up, but what my point is, is like there are very few ideas that don't require getting other people on board in some way. If it's something you're cooking, generally we share that with other people. If it's a change you're making in yourself, eventually you are interacting with other people and sharing that change. If it is more of a creative endeavor or a life change that you need other people to be a part of in order for them to enjoy it or participate in it, connecting with other people is a hugely important part of collaboration And in addition to collaboration, it's really important for us if we're trying to understand what world we're putting our idea into, it's vastly important for us to be able to develop the skill of understanding others' perspectives. We walk around, many of us, thinking that our perception is a static thing that we are just looking at the world around us and seeing it as it is. But there have been so many studies, my friends, that show us that perception is a creative act. A lot of the podcast episodes you've listened to reference this in some way, that our occurring reality 
every moment of every day is informed and molded by all of the experiences that we have had in the world. Even the very act of looking and seeing is influenced by our perception, by what we know to be true, by what we are expecting to see, by the experiences that we've had in the environments we've grown up in, by the chemistry of our own brain, we can experience the exact same thing as someone else and actually walk away perceiving it as opposite or very, very different. So it is a very important skill, both for creative acts of any kind and for just walking through the world as a healthy, happy person to be able to understand other people, to be able to deeply connect with them, to know the differences in the way that someone else sees and lives and perceives. So we're going to spend the next couple of episodes talking about this. And I'm going to reference highly a book called How to Know a Person by David Brooks, who is a beautiful thought leader that I have been referencing on a few of the different podcasts lately. And this his book is all about the art of seeing others deeply and deeply being seen. He's a New York Times bestseller. One of his other books is called The Road to Character, but this one is brand new and it's called How to Know a Person. And I've really been enjoying it. So I'm going to start us off here by a little bit more about why it is so important to know a person. And I'm going to start by reading a passage from his book. So Brooke says, seeing someone well is a powerful and creative act. He talks about how in the age of AI, we have to become exceptionally good at connecting with other people in order to maintain the unique value of our human skills and perspectives. And he says, no one can fully appreciate their own beauty and strengths unless those things are mirrored back to them in the mind of another. There is something in being seen that brings forth growth. If you beam the light of your attention on me, I blossom. If you see great potential in me, I will probably come to see great potential in myself. If you can understand my frailties and sympathize with me when life treats me harshly, then I am more likely to have the strength to weather the storms of life. The roots of resilience are to be found in the sense of being understood by and existing in the mind and heart of a loving, attuned, and self-possessed other. And that is a quote from a psychologist named Diana Fosha. And Brooke says, in how you see me, I will learn to see myself. I have made podcast episodes about this. The very first one where I talk about You're the One We Want, where I talk about Kaja Silverman and her philosophy. She's a Berkeley philosopher that talks about the objectivity of our subjective eyes, our subjective experience of other people. And this is what she is talking about. This is fundamental to how I think about the world is When we see something, it is a unique thing. It is a moment that can't be replicated because we are seeing with our unique perspective. And it is so necessary to share that, especially when it is positive and creative and strength based. Because when we share with someone else something beautiful that we see in them, it becomes their occurring reality. Whether they fully adopt it or believe it or not, it's somewhere there in their psyche. And we have given a gift to someone else by acknowledging the beauty in them. 
What Brooks says is that in every crowd, there are diminishers and illuminators. Diminishers make people feel small and unseen. Illuminators have a persistent curiosity about other people and they shine the brightness of their care on people, making them feel bigger, deeper, respected, and lit up. I know that we all know people in our own lives. You can probably think of someone that's an illuminator. You just feel bigger and brighter and loved and proud of who you are when you're around them, when they look at you, when you notice that they're witnessing you, you feel better in your own skin. And there are those around us that we spend time with and make you feel kind of like apologetic about ourselves and bad about ourselves. He calls those diminishers. And I'm sure we all can step between the two roles. I've been really enjoying this book because I've noticed in my own life that I used to be an illuminator the majority of the time. And these days, I don't think I'm a diminisher, but I think I feel a little less like an illuminator because of being busy, of having a life. I don't call myself busy. I don't even use that word, (laughs) but... I know many of us can relate to the word, so that's why I use it here. But of having a life that is very full of children and work and relationships, I notice that I don't slow down to illuminate other human beings quite as often in my day-to-day. So I'm loving this resurgence of this value of my own to stop and see people. One of the things that is really interesting that Brooks talks about is that we all kind of think that we're good at reading other people. And he says that strangers who are in the midst of their first conversation read each other accurately only 20% of the time. And close friends and family members only do that about 35% of the time. That is a very small percentage compared to what we imagine. We feel like we talk to someone and we get it. We get them. But research is showing that we only do 20 to 35% of the time. And what's really interesting is that the people that are good at understanding other people, really good, understand people accurately about 55% of the time. But the problem is that people who are terrible at reading others think they are just as good at it as those who are pretty accurate. And there is a researcher named X, who finds that the longer that couples are married, the less accurate they are at reading each other. They lock in some earlier idea of what the person that they're married is like, and then they just hold them to that in their minds. And so we can apply that to any relationship. The longer we know someone, the worse we might get at actually seeing them and knowing them. So what we're going to talk about today and in next week's episode is how to get better at it. Because there is no such thing as an ordinary person, Brooks says. And I agree with him so much. When we can stop and see someone and take them in fully, we are experiencing something fully unique and a miraculous thing. It is something that will never exist again in just the same way. When we can pause and really witness someone else, we are giving them a gift And we're giving one to ourselves because we expand our perception of what the world is like and learn to see from a wider lens than what we can have in ourselves. So we're going to start today. I'm going to wrap up this episode by talking about what we do 
to not see a person. And then next week we'll get into illumination. So we talked a little bit about diminishers, about people that sort of wrap someone up in a concept of who they are or think of other people as a tool to be used towards an end. And again, I want to say there aren't good people and bad people in the world. In my point of view, I will offer that we probably all diminish sometimes. So no matter how wonderful you think you are at loving people and at reading them and at listening, spend some time with the following descriptions to start to notice the moments when you're sizing someone up in a way that's not helpful. You check out their look, you check out what they're like, you make an immediate judgment about them. We all do it sometimes. And if you've listened to this podcast or done other studies on unconscious bias, you know that that's actually vital and necessary for the brain's function to have a system of patterns that we assimilate the world into. We recognize things as being like other things. This is our unconscious bias, helping us to categorize and automate some of the things around us and our understanding, our perception of them so that we can function. Our brain would be on overload. It would burn out if we had to constantly assess everything anew in every moment of our lives. And the tendency to size people up is actually really harmful. So today we're going to talk about a list of about five or six things that we do that do the opposite of illuminating. And then next week, and then I'll ask you to spend this week I'll invite you to spend this week with me just noticing when we're doing that. And next week, we'll talk all about illumination. So the first way that we do this, and I've talked about this in Listen to This, that episode, about how we listen in a self-referential way. So the first way we diminish the people around us and sort of keep ourselves from seeing them is by being in our ego, thinking about ourselves when we're looking at them thinking about our perspective, our wants, our needs, instead of listening to what life is like for them. So that's the first thing that we do. And the human brain does this automatically. So don't feel bad if you notice yourself wanting to tell other people what you think instead of listening to what they think. Maybe you want to tell more stories about what you've experienced when they talk. Maybe you interrupt them. Just pause and notice that's the ego. That's the first way. The second way I see all of the time and this is called anxiety. We all know anxiety, but many of us don't recognize it as a diminishing effect on other people. When we are in our own minds, in the hamster wheel of our own minds, Brooks calls it having uh, so much noise in our own heads that we can't hear what's going on in other heads. When we're thinking so much about how we're coming across, what people are going to think about us, Will they like us? All of these things, we actually diminish the people around us. One way I see this happening is sometimes when people feel competitive with others, maybe you can think of someone in your own life that you feel this way towards. They're just shining a little bit too brightly and you feel a little bit dim whenever you're around them. They just seem like they've got it all together. They just seem like they have something that you want. And when we have this feeling of someone else sort of being a bright shining star and we wish we were shining that brightly, sometimes we stop telling them that they're awesome. We don't give them a pat on the back when they do something great. We don't invite them to things because we think they're already invited to a lot of things. We don't recognize their strengths because we think they get enough of that. We don't reach out to ask if we can bring something to their party or can we come help and set up because we feel like they've got it all under control. Or when we're feeling anxious about how we 
measure up to them, we might interrupt them more. In a group setting, we might not be as kind to them. So because of our own anxiety, because we're thinking about ourselves, we actually diminish the people around us. And I see this all the time. When we feel like we don't measure up, then we take other people down in small ways. The third one is called naive realism. And Brooke said, this is the assumption that the way the world appears to you is the same way that everyone else sees reality. And there is so much data to show that this is not true. Some researchers actually studied these this football game and the two fan bases for each team that played the football game. Both experienced the game as a series of penalties against their side. And each one of them thought that the other team was so out of line when in reality, both teams had the same number of penalties. Each team watched a video recording again of the game, same amount of penalties on each side, and they felt totally wronged and like the referee was calling everything in the other team's favor and that the other team was totally vile and terrible. (laughs) <laughs> in how many penalties they were executing, or I don't know how you how you say that, but how many penalties there were on their team. So you see that our reality feels so objective so much of the time, and it is just not. And we assume that everyone else is seeing what we are seeing, and it is never the case. A few more here before I wrap up. The fourth one is called lesser minds problem. This is just basically this idea that we think we are doing things for really good reasons. And we basically think that everybody else isn't as righteous as we are. So for instance, some of the studies around this are like, people ask lawyers, why are you in law? And sorry, people that were in school, in law school. And the law school students said, well, I'm in in law because I want to make the world a better place. And then when answering the same question about all of their colleagues, they said, well, they probably are just in it for the money. So we assume that our reasons are more righteous than others. And I see this all the time as well. My friends, we all think we're on the side of good. We all think we are the hero in the story. So take a moment to see how someone else might believe that what they are doing is the right thing because we all believe that. Part of that is assuming the best intentions. The other part is just understanding that other people care as much as we do. We aren't the only hero. We are all heroes. Two more, my friends. Second to last is called objectivism. And this is just basically when we boil people down because of the groups that we associate them with. So we observe a behavior in someone and we're like, oh, I know you're a narcissist. (laughs) And we over sort of diagnose any diagnosis, diagnosis at all, actually, when we're not a professional can be pretty harmful. But we diagnose what is wrong with everybody around us, or even we just think, oh, you're a yogi. You probably aren't a big planner. Oh, you are a supporter of this political group. Oh, you probably don't care about, you know, abortion rights. If you're a supporter, we reduce individuals based on what they support, what they believe, what they look like, anything we associate with them. So we reduce them to what we know about the group that we're associating them with, and it is always wrong. Related to that is essentialism, where people do belong to groups and we make a whole bunch of generalizations about them. 
So these are very, very related and closely tied. So basically, when we do something in the world of essentialism, we do a thing called stacking. And this is when we learn one thing about a person. And because we know that one thing, we assume a whole bunch of other things are true too. So if this person is a Trump supporter, or if this person is not a Trump supporter, then we believe a whole bunch of different things about them based on what we believe. They must be like this and this and this and this. And that's a way we detract from the humans around us by judging them based on one thing that we learn about them. And the very last thing is called the static mindset. This is basically when people keep you locked in to what you used to be like. We really do this all the time with family members and old friends. We learn, we grow, we evolve as we live. We are not who we used to be. So think about that list of the ways that we stop ourselves from deeply seeing the people around us, because that's also stopping us from connecting and from living the most blooming life that we can in love and in relationship to the beautiful humans around us. Next week, we will jump in to the wonderful world of how to become more illuminating, how to be a person that lights up the people around you as you walk around the world. It's a skill that we can all learn and we can start anywhere. All right, my beautiful friends, enjoy your week and I will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with me, friends. If you like today's episode and you want more of them, please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Then send this episode to a friend. See you next time.